Good morning. A warm welcome to all participating in the church building or online at home. The Spirit of God invites all to worship the Creator at this time and in our places which dwell on Treaty 1 territory, the ancestral lands of the Métis Nation, the Dakota, the Cree, the Ochi Cree, the Dene, the Haudenosaunee, and the Anishinaabe. And now for the life of the congregation, I'll call up Mel for an announcement. As I mentioned last week, we're beginning the 40 days that lead to Easter, the days of Lent. And you have an insert in your bulletin. I'm going to ask you to take that out um, one more time. It'll probably be out by next week. But just to make you aware of a couple of things. Um, As we practice worship, we have candles here and a candle here that you'll see. During Advent, we light candles in anticipation of uh, Christ coming. Um, At Lent, um, towards Easter, we are going to um, extinguish the candles as a sign that Jesus walks to the cross. At the same time, we always live in hope that the cross and death is not the end, and so while we extinguish a candle, each Sunday we'll be lighting a candle as well to remind ourselves that we do move from darkness to light always with God. Um, Secondly, in the insert, you'll find a couple of things. The top there, um, there is a basket on the back table over there where the bulletins have often been, Um, and there's a little bracelet there. If you would like to take a bracelet to wear during Lent or hang up somewhere or just have on your nighttime table or something, it's just to see a simple reminder of God's presence to you and God's presence of healing um, during Lent, and maybe it uh, it draws our mind more um, often to God and the healing work that we need and is happening in our lives. So if you'd like to have a bracelet, um, we're going to actually... hand those out during Lent. Whoever would like to take one, you can. Secondly, just a reminder that Thursday nights, if you would like to pray some prayer um, practices with others in the congregation, and maybe now with all that's happening in the Ukraine, it would be good to be here. We can together pray for that situation as well. And then finally, on the other side, um, as I did mention, um, you might want to identify some healing that you or we need this year as we go into Lent. And if you can do that, and if you are doing that, um, I hope that it'll be meaningful and healing for you um, as you do. God be with you. For the other things that are happening at Grace, a reminder that on Tuesday, 7.30 p.m., there's formation on Zoom. The subject this week is unorthodox Christianity in popular music. On Thursday at 10 a.m., for those who are interested, there's stories with seniors. That's also on Zoom. And on Thursday evening, like Mel just mentioned, there's the Grace Lenten practice, the spiritual and prayer practice. That's at 7 p.m. on Thursday. For those of you who are interested in baptism or becoming a member at Grace, please contact the church office or contact Mel. We are also having a Grace, sorry, a rice drive. It's, it's done by the Grace Community Committee. Um, and there are two options. One is purchase bags of rice or donate by check or e-transfer so we can purchase in bulk. Um, this evening there's an outdoor candlelight vigil for peace at 7 p.m. And for all information about this, you'll see the details in the bulletin and for the Zoom links. You can find them in the bulletin. To begin this uh, Lenten season, a song that celebrates the crucifixion. Jesus who died, now glorified, King of all kings, majesty. Thank you. 
Jesus who died, come to his own, his anthem rings. So exalt, lift up on high the name of Jesus. Magnify, come glorify, Christ Jesus the King. His majesty, Jesus who died, now glorified, King of all kings, He is Lord, He is Lord, He is risen from Merciful and mighty God in three persons, blessed Trinity, majesty, worship his majesty, Jesus who died, now glorified. Jesus who died, now glorified, King of all kings. Join me in the call to worship. Um, you can uh, follow the bolt on the overhead. Together, we seek the way of God. We crave the safety of God's shelter. God offers the care of angels. God is generous to all who call on the holy name. In your hymnaries, song number 764, O for a thousand tongues to sing. Please note uh, that, uh, of course, in this uh, hymn book, uh, a number of songs have had the words changed. So let's recognize those change of words. I hope they have been changed on the screen there as well. I think they have, so that's fine. Okay, 764, and we'll sing all verses uh, just to get to know them a bit better. Thank you. Yeah. 
You can join me in the lectern prayer, which is adapted from Isaiah 55. That'll be also on the overhead. Holy One, we seek you while you may be found. Have mercy on us, O God, for our thoughts are not your thoughts, and our ways are not your ways. As we walk with Christ on this Lenten journey, let us see your way more clearly. Number 305, uh, the glory of these 40 days. Uh, the pastors have chosen this song as a theme song for the season of Lent. I believe it's uh, unfamiliar to most of uh, us, so join us in learning, in learning the song. Uh, Lorraine and I will sing through it once, and then please join us to sing all four verses. the responsive reading. You can join me and it will be on the overhead. <coughs> Your ways, O God, are higher than our ways. Your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. We see God's ways.
Shall we stand this song this time as we sing the chorus through twice, number 641. Please stand as we sing. Noticing that there are not very many children here today. Does anyone want to come up? If yes, then I'm here. If not, well, look at that. Someone's going to come. Why don't you come up? Sure. We're going to come over to this side this time. We're often on the other side. Good to see you all. Thanks for some of you older ones coming up so that the uh, younger ones here aren't alone. I um, have been busy trying to make something. If um, you take a look at this, actually I've got it on here. Anybody ever seen anything like that? A colored one or something like that? You know what they're called? Bracelets, friendship bracelets. Sometimes people call them friendship bracelets. Well, we're going to do something a little bit different this Lent. We're going to make this as a call. I told the adults about it too. We're going to kind of call it a friendship bracelet with God that we get to wear it. And when we feel it or touch it or see it, we can remember that God is holding us and taking care of us in all of the things that come. I called it a bit of a healing bracelet for the adults, but we can kind of just call it maybe our friend with God bracelet. Now, the way I make these, trying to make it pretty small, is I take this piece of string and I take that. Oh, I gotta find a bigger hole. Maybe I'll make a bigger one. How about something like that? Why not? That's not got a good hole. Let's try that one. There we go. Okay. Now, I practiced all day yesterday trying to make it. Because sometimes it's not easy to make things, or sometimes we forget things, like that God is our friend. Sometimes we forget that God really loves us because there's things going on all around us that are hard or that aren't good. So the way that we make one of these bracelets is like this. And I could give you a, something like this to try at home, or your parents could, or I can just give you a bracelet, actually, which I have. I'm trying to make them small enough for your wrist. So I take this, and I wind it around like that, and I put it all the way through again, and if I'm lucky, I do it the right way, and I end up with a, worked so well yesterday. There we go, we're gonna try it again, okay? Sometimes things take time. So I do it, I've got it here, there we go. Let's try it, maybe I'm just nervous. We go all the way around, and all the way through, <clears throat> and then I put it through there, <clears throat> like that. So it's a knot in there, like that. Come on, you guys could probably do this better than me. This is ridiculous. Okay. Come on now. Okay, wait a minute. I did it while I was actually at a conference <laughs> on the computer. You can do anything when you're on those things. Okay. So, so here we go. You go around like this and all the way through and you tie it like this and I'm going to make a knot. Okay. You see that? There you go. Okay. Now you've got one side, see? And you see how it moves? You see that the string goes right through there. It's not really quite tight. Then you take the other side, and you tie this, and you do the same thing, and you go around like that, and this time it works really quickly, because I've been practicing a little bit here. And you go like that. 
See, then you can take the bracelet in like that, or if you've got a big wrist, a big hand to put it on, it moves, see? It's all like that, and then you pull the strings, and then it goes like that, and it goes tight on your hand. So I'm going to give you guys all one of these. You can even maybe get your parents to try and make you one or practice with them if you want. I've got twine if you'd like. And you can take this and put it on your wherever. You can hang it up. You can wear it on your wrist if you want to. If you do, just remember that every time you see this, it's a reminder that God is with you and God is a friend. So let's pray. God, thank you that we can remember that you are with us always. We don't walk alone in school, when we're at home, all the fun that we have, and even the things that make us cry. You are there and you are with us. Help us as we look at this bracelet to remember that you always are. Amen. Okay, can I give you guys all one? There's a few here, different colors. There's big ones, small ones. This has maybe got too big. Does anybody want to, you want to choose one? Would you like one? Let's see, we need a small one for you there. What would you like? What do we got? Is that, that me you want to try with that one? You want to take that back and your mommy can maybe try and put it on your, on your wrist? You guys want to try one? You want to take one? Sure. Sure, you grab one. Just anything, yeah. You take the one you want out of there. Yeah, they're kind of all together there. Get that out of there. You guys want some? Ileniana, Jude, Pierce, why don't you grab one? Mm-hmm. Hopefully it'll be big enough for you. If not, you come back and get another one later or I'll put it on the table at the back. You guys got them? Okay, you can go back to your seats. Joan, I didn't even see you there. Hey, Joan, you want to come and get something from me? Come. What do we got? Oh, would you like that? You want to give that to your mom? You wait and she'll show you what to do with it, okay? Thanks, Joan. It was nice to see you. Yeah. There was a certain man who was ill, Lazarus of Bethany. He was a brother to Mary and her sister Martha. Mary being the one who had anointed Jesus with perfume and then had wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent a message to Jesus saying, Lord, our, your, the one you love, our brother, is dead, is sick, I'm sorry. Well, Jesus heard, but he said to his disciples, this is not an illness that leads to death. It is rather so that the Son of God will be glorified through it. So, even after he heard, he stayed for two more days in the place where he was. Only after that did he say to his disciples, let's now go back to Judea. But the disciples said, Rabbi, Just a while ago, the Jews were trying to stone you there, and you want to go back again? Jesus said, there are 12 hours of daylight. The ones who walk during the day, they don't stumble because they they see the light of the world. It's the ones who walk at night who stumble because the light is not in them. Then Jesus said to him, okay, but Lazarus has fallen asleep, and I want to go and awaken him. Well, they said, if he's asleep, he'll be all right, Lord. Jesus, however, was speaking about Lazarus' death. The disciples, they did not understand, so he said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sake that I was not there so that you might believe. Now, come, let's go to Judea. Let's go find him. Well, then Thomas, one of the disciples, said to the others, okay, let's also go with him and, and die there. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had been in the tomb already for four days. Bethany was close to Jerusalem, so many Jews had come to Mary and Martha to console them about their brother. But when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out and met him. Mary, meanwhile, stayed at home. When Martha came to the place where Jesus was, she said, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. 
but even now I know that God would ask, give to you what you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And she said, I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. No, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though they die, will live. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Martha said to him, I believe, Lord, that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. Well, after she had said these things, she went back and called her sister Mary and told her privately, the teacher is here and he's calling for you. So Mary got up quickly and went out. Jesus was not yet in the village. He was still out at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were in the house with Mary, consoling her, saw her get up quickly and go out, they followed her, thinking that she was going to the the tomb to weep. When she came to the place where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet. She said, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. Well, when Jesus saw Mary weeping and the Jews who were with her weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and and deeply moved. So he said, where have you laid him? They said, come and see. And then Jesus began to weep. So some of the Jews said, look how much he loved him. But others said, couldn't he who opened the eyes of a blind man have, have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus again, deeply disturbed in spirit, came to the tomb. It was a a cave with a stone laid up against it. He said, take away the stone. But Martha said, Lord, already there's a great stench. He's been in the tomb for four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. I know you always hear me, but I say this for the sake of this crowd standing here that they might see and believe in me that you have sent me. Then in a loud voice, he cried out, Lazarus, come out. Well, the dead man came out. His hands and his feet wrapped in strips of cloth, his head wrapped in cloth, And Jesus said to those standing around, Unbind him and let him go. What do we believe? Well, that which is true, of course. Of course. Despite that appearing to be pretty straightforward, we've become aware recently, like we always knew it, that it's not always that simple. News and information can be spun or one-sidedly told or researched and analyzed in ways which can cause two people or more to understand and see things in very, very different ways. A while ago, we watched the documentary The Social Dilemma for a Tuesday night formation gathering. Even for us older folks who don't use social media as frequently or likely in the same way as those younger, it was a stark picture of how we can be algorithm-led to believe something simply by what we are given to read and to follow and to see. We are fed, and so we believe. Even if it might not be a whole truth, or inversely, might not be truth at all. And this is everyone. Me and you, not just those people who don't get it straight. Yet knowing this, we nevertheless still seem to know what to believe and figure it's pretty straightforward. The pandemic has highlighted for us, for me at least, and I've said this in a lot of places, that in most things, everyone these days seems to be right or thinks they are. So I guess we all do know exactly what to believe and apparently, what others should believe as well. Believe. It's a big word in the Gospel of John. It's used a hundred times, seven times here in this story. In this emotion-filled account, Jesus himself tells his disciples and Martha and the crowd that what is about to happen, Lazarus being raised, is so that they will believe. But believe what? 
Was it that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of God, the one come down from heaven, as Martha confesses? God's promising to come to the Jews over centuries, and if so, then, even then, for what purpose? Or is it that Jesus could heal the sick? Seems that Martha and Mary, and even the crowd, assume this as they both lament that if Jesus had gotten there sooner, Lazarus would not have died. Or is it that Jesus could raise the dead? Seen that happen lately? Martha kind of goes there when she says, but even now I know God that if you, God would give you if you would ask for it. There are actually ten biblical stories of the dead being raised to life or coming back to life. Jesus, of course, being one of them. At the same time, Martha later in the story shows no sense that she understood your brother will rise again to mean right now. The last one, raising the dead, is why I find this story difficult to preach. I think I've had it often at Lent, and I think I'm going to start giving it to Kyle. Just like he thinks that he wants to give John the Baptist to me at Advent, he thinks he always gets that one. And then you get a dumb slide of John the Baptist on the back. It's this last one that I find, though, a difficult story to preach. The shock value of someone being raised from the dead sort of overshadows anything else that could be said. We too easily stop right there at this specific part of the story, and then we tend to look at it rather simply. Skeptics, for example, might say, that could never happen. So that's just unbelievable, and the end of the story of God can't happen. On the flip side, believers might say, that did happen. Look what God can do. Jesus proved to be God. Subsequently, we miss the bigger nuance told here, that Jesus brings life from death. In Jesus, there is life, not death, happening, ironically, through Jesus' death. Maybe to believe in Jesus is this, life does come out of death, and dying is what brings life. And we do want life, don't we? While part of life, death is also the great destroyer of it. We're reminded of that in a, a conference I was at years ago by a very good speaker. While it's very natural and sometimes even welcomed when we are older, it separates, it hurts, it mangles and distorts Literally and physically, death ends our relationship with those that we love. Figuratively, death is seen in many, many ways in our lives and in people's ways, lives. So near the end of today's story, Jesus sows a lot of emotion as he faces both death and those who weep because life is gone. And Jesus is disturbed and he weeps too. Why? Deeply moved, as it says it here in the passage, is inadequate to name Jesus' emotion. It it's actually has more an element of irritation or aggravation that's expressed. So what is it that might aggravate Jesus here? Was it simply his human response to death and pain? Was it emotion over the wailing and the unexpected or the expected unbelief around him? Was it the reality of death's tenacious grip on us not only eventually, but even as life is witnessed, as we see it around us? Was it the difficulty of people not being able to believe that life can come from death? Or that Jesus, he brings it. They couldn't believe that. Was it hopelessness? Perhaps Jesus' tears were a response to anguish without hope. An oft-times acknowledgement that death wins. Death is the end. That which would overtake the women at the cross and the unbelieving disciples at Jesus' death before resurrection woke them up. Maybe to believe is to not wail hopelessly as Mary and the Jews were doing. Maybe it's to even have a bit of an angry, aggravated tears at death so as to make this stubborn, encouraging call that death is not the end. This then leads us closer to Jesus who brings life and makes us life givers. You see, in the Greek, believing in Jesus denotes believing into Jesus. It is a movement towards, orienting life in the direction of, towards relationship with God, receiving revelation from God as to what to do and who to be and to act accordingly in all that life brings us. This seems much simpler in John than in the other Gospels, actually. There's no Sermon on the Mount. 
No love your enemies, no money talk, and we actually don't like that stuff anyways. Rather, it's generally loving and being a servant to the other. At the same time, it's actually far, far less simple because it's about life that only happens if we die. In the end, belief in Jesus leads to a death to bring life. Discipleship, which brings about eternal and abundant life, words that are often used in John. Union and life with God beyond death, here and beyond. To believe is to trust that life comes if Jesus indwells and leads us into life in the ways revealed by Jesus. To affirm that in Jesus, death doesn't win. Affirm that if the end looks like death, then it's not yet the end. We don't always know what that looks like. In fact, recently it seems like we're sometimes not even sure that that's true. Collectively, we've lived through a lot of fear for the last couple of years, and now in the grand reopening, there is still a fair amount of it. I hear it from others. I can hear it in myself. And then there's war. We're not affected directly. While we may be indirectly in everything from gas prices to larger talk of nuclear war, I do hope that thinking of it in relation to us is not our primary fear. I hope that our first thoughts are with those who are directly affected. Yet in everything death-like, we sometimes catch a glimpse of life out of death, which Jesus promises. And I want to leave you with three different glimpses of this on this first Sunday of Lent. The first one's about me. As I wondered about healing as a Lenten practice, I wondered about it for myself. I shared at the Ash Wednesday service on Wednesday about a particular um, life that I need or healing that I think I need. All of us have been listening to a lot of voices over the last two years, many of them not very happy, many of them at odds with each other, sometimes very little God-spoken as if God hasn't been with us or it really doesn't matter if God is. I've wondered if recently that's worn on me a bit. I seem to find myself less understanding than I'd like to be, less loving, a little bit distracted, almost as I'm not quite focused. First I figured, okay, it's winter, cold, it's long, spring is coming and the leaves never play beyond the middle of April. But then I thought it could be that, but I began to wonder if maybe I'm feeling the cumulative effect of these years and events and all the things that have happened. So I'm going to try some extra Lenten discipline and practices to see what kind of life might come from reflecting on Jesus' sufferings as I wonder about my own and and our own. I hope I believe that through this, Jesus will bring life from a lot that has been and felt like death. Secondly, I had a good conversation with someone the other day in my office, not anyone from our congregation. They came in to ask if Grace would be at all interested in being part of the compost collection bins project that Sorel goes around in Steinbach. It's set up in the summer, kind of from May through to October. The city is wondering about expanding the project, and so um, they were wondering if we would like to be involved with doing some help in being there as uh, those who facilitate it. And you'll be hearing about that, and we'll see if we're interested. But what was beautiful about the conversation was that my visitor framed compost bins and care for the environment as his belief in Jesus. In fact, he spoke about this project and other actions he hopes for and desires more about Jesus than about the bins after a while. As if life in Jesus, Jesus as the vine which he is simply a branch of, to use more John language, was that which propelled him forward into that which he feels will bring some life to the environment in a place of death, at times when we think that we're struggling in relation to climate change and all that's going on around us. It's a small, small thing, Bins in Steinbeck, but he believes. And finally, I wonder about what belief in Jesus might mean for us as we reflect on what we see going on now in the Ukraine. I'm dumbstruck by the willingness of a country to invade to destroy infrastructure, to create a humanitarian crisis. Although it's not new. Empires always do take liberties. With rationale possibly very similar to what we're seeing now, years ago the U.S. covertly undermined sovereign states in Central America 
because they were afraid of communist Russia having friends on their borders. While I'm a pacifist, I'm humbled as I watch the passion and courage of resistance of people staying in or returning to Ukraine, even to fight. Even foreign fighters, Canadians leaving families and jobs to sign up as mercenaries in a fight for freedom, a word that just a few weeks ago would have had a totally different connotation for us here in Canada. Without making comment on either invasion or freedom, fighting, I was simply struck by how both in some way represent and don't what Jesus asks. We believe what Jesus asks we believe if we believe in him. Jesus never justified invasion of the powerful to protect their own interests or their own resources. Nor did Jesus ever advocate violent resistance to repel invasion or occupation. They both seem to lead somewhere other than belief in Jesus does. Yet, those involved, if they believe in their cause, believe that life will only come through a willingness to die, and so they are willing to. In that sense, Jesus' message of life only through death is given a rather dark and stark human touch. Truth in our battles with each other. Evelyn asked the other day at Stories with Seniors about the apparent madness of it all and whether our minuscule voices and acts for peace in Jesus' name actually mean anything. Do they in relation to that or, or any situation of death? Do we believe? Well, we never actually know while we're in it, do we? But if we believe in Jesus who raised from the dead and who was raised from the dead, then we embrace the belief that it does matter and it does make a difference. And so we move into life and action with that belief, believing that if it doesn't yet seem to, well, then we simply haven't yet seen the end of the story. We go in hopeful belief that God brings life from death in Jesus Christ. Amen. As an introduction to uh, communion, uh, shall we sing the song number 477, Seed, Scatter, and Sow. Please stand as we sing, and we'll sing only the first two verses.
Today we'll be sharing communion in a way that we haven't for a long time. We're going to be serving you in your pews. We will enjoy eating together in a way that we haven't for a long time, and I hope that that will feel like we are a body and a community again, sharing Last Supper together. And today I want us to take communion with the words of John ringing in our ears. So as we take the bread, hear today's words that were part of the story. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though they die, will live. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. We believe in Jesus and Jesus' way. And as we enter Lent, may our belief grow so that we may hope in life that Jesus brings in death. Life found now as we walk this life with Jesus. Life found in the end when we will not see only dimly but face to face. We're going to hand out the bread and I'm going to ask you to hold it till all have received it. For those of you who are at home, you can have the elements ready. After which we're going to eat together. So I'll ask Brenda and John to come forward and we'll hand it out now.
going to ask you to stand. Let's pray together. God, we believe in the life that comes in the broken body of Jesus now and forever. We gratefully take and eat in Christ. Amen. Let's eat together. Be seated. And as we take the juice, hear words that were shared a few weeks ago when Michael Paul spoke. They're very strange words um, out of the Gospel of John, um, but they reveal to us the depth of our taking in who Christ is so that we become as Christ would have us be. And then the music that we will listen to after um, also speaks of us embracing that mystery. So listen to the words as we will hand out the juice. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. All who eat my flesh and drink my blood have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. If you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you abide in me, and I in you. As we eat and drink, may we become what we receive. Again, we're going to hand out the juice, and I'll ask that you hold it until we all drink together, after we all have it.
Has everyone been served who'd like to participate? Then I'll ask you to stand. And let's pray together. God, we do believe in life that comes to us and all around us as in Christ we become like him. We pray that we will and that life will come. Amen. Let's drink together. You may be seated. Now we're going to have a, a prayer of intercession for our congregation. Eternal God, we pray for all in our congregation who are ill, and we especially at this time remember Christina Putz, who is in, at, in Bethesda Hospital, and also remember Doris Friesen, who is at home. And Lord, we also pray for Shirley Joy as she adjusts to her new life at Maplewood Manor. Our prayer for this week as a congregation is uh, the Lord to help me to trust in what I believe. And this time we also pray for peace in the world. We pray for the peace in the Ukraine and that the leaders will soon turn to non-violent solutions to resolve the current escalation. I commit this to you in Jesus' name. Please turn in your hymn to raise for our closing number, the blessing the Lord lift you up. We'll sing through it twice. Please stand. <laughs> standing for the you can remain standing for the benediction from this time and this place into whatever awaits may you follow God's way of generosity may you release whatever you hold in fear so that you may be free to live generous lives as you go know that our God of the wilderness remains with you on the way amen <laughs>